You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln audio podcast. It's good to see you guys. I usually get to hang out with the kids, but they're letting me at what I call big church. You guys are big church. We're kids church. So they're letting me come hang out with you. I know that you guys have been talking about choices. Does anyone remember how many choices we end up making during a day? Any ballpark? 25? 30,000? There are several thousand choices that you make in one day. And I bet that if by the time you got to your car this morning, you already made several hundred. Because you first started off with waking up, maybe in the middle of the night. Do I get up to go pee or do I just try to keep sleeping? (laughs) And then when you got up this morning, do I hit the snooze button on my alarm or do I get up right away? Do I take a shower or not take a shower? Brush my teeth, not brush my teeth? Do I get the coffee here or stop by Dunkin' Donuts on the way or Starbucks on the way? We make so many choices in a day, and those choices are very important. So some of the things that you guys have talked about over the weeks, and if you're just here for the first time, I'll catch up. So first week, you guys talked about living for God or living for others. Now, do we have any other people pleasers in the room? I could sometimes fall into the people-pleasing tendencies, but I think God is continually saving me from that. (laughs) Um, How can I live and serve God over others? Um, Two, you guys talked about the second week, self-discipline, after we just gorged ourselves on Thanksgiving feast. Man, (laughs) I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving, by the way. Um, May have looked a little different. Did it look a little different for you? Yeah probably brought a mix of emotions. Maybe it was fresh and new and exciting, and maybe it was a little sad. You can sit with both, right? Learn to sit with both of those. So self-discipline. I choose self-discipline. We've been talking about the fruits of the Spirit in kids' church, and this week wraps it up. So they're getting ready to eat some yummy fruit. Um, It's kind of fun. They get to see a star fruit for the first time. How many of you have eaten a star fruit? Anybody? You have? Ava knew what it was. Yeah, that's awesome. So we've been talking about the fruits of the Spirit, and I, I confess to the kids, self-control is the hardest one for me. <laughs> so self-discipline. And then last week, of course, gratitude over complaining. And I've, I've caught myself a couple times this week as I've opened my mouth. I'm like, oh, man, it's, never mind. Because <laughs> uh, we, we catch ourselves several times a day wanting to complain, right? It just comes right off. Are right out of our mouths. And today is going to be another fun one. Are you ready for this? I'm not going to look at the control freaks in the room. Okay, ready? Choosing surrender over control. Do we have any control freaks in the room? I'm with you. It's okay. Yeah. Choosing surrender over control. And that can be kind of hard. Um, if you know a couple things about me, you know I love music and I love to sing. I'm always singing or humming. Um, A song, I make up several songs a day. I'm like, oh, I should write that one down. No, I didn't. Um, I I bet I could sell a little kid's CD because I I, uh, sing little kid's songs all the time. Um, I like to sing and I like to travel. So with singing, I often think about the songs that we sing, the actual lyrics. You're like, oh, I don't think I should be singing that song. (laughs) Uh, And one of the songs that we sing in church, um, if you've been in here, been in church long enough, is the old song, I Surrender All. You know that one? I surrender all. Um, And then I begin to think about those words, and I begin to think of, 
Are they true for me? Am, am I, do, do I really mean the words that I'm singing? Because if I were honest, most days when I'm singing that song, if I were honestly singing it, it would sound a little like this. I surrender part of it. I surrender part of it. Part of all my life I surrender. Right? It would be part of it. Because sometimes we're really good about giving control to this. But God, let me hold on to this for you. I'll just, I'll just get that for you. One of the things in my house that we um, give power to a little bit is this little guy right here. The remote control. And if your house is anything like my house, we never want to watch the same thing. Is that a problem in your house too? Especially if you have kids and then it's split so many different ways. Um, and so whoever gets in the living room first, I don't know how you guys do it in your house. Um, if it's dad gets the controller, mom gets the control, kids get it. But whoever gets in the living room first gets the control, right? And it's a pretty special place, pretty, pretty important place to be in because then you get to pick. And it's a really big deal because you get to set the tone for the rest of the night. And um, for me, I try to find a movie that my husband isn't going to fall asleep during the first 10 minutes of. So I try to think about both of us. So this is a big thing for control for us. Um, I, for you, it might be, oh, my family. I like to make sure that they're safe. I like to make sure that this happens and this happens. For some of you, it might be vacation. I'm, I'm a pretty go-with-the-flow kind of person. But when it comes to vacations, I research everything. I want to get the best sites, the best restaurants. I'm on Yelp. I'm on TripAdvisor packing our vacation with all these amazing things because we got to see it all. Anybody else see it all kind of person? Who's the like, I want to stay in bed at this hotel room the whole trip and relax? Any relaxers? Great. There's one of you in your household, one of each. Doesn't that, isn't that fun on vacation? Yay. So what we've, uh, what we've tended to do is do an every other day. This is a relaxing day. This is a let's conquer the world day. This is a relaxing. And you always plan the relaxing day, the last day of the trip, so you're not exhausted from your vacation. Or don't, you know. Um, so vacations, you want to make sure that everything is just right. Now, if I were to confess something to you, I love traveling, love going all over the world. I had the privilege of going to Israel in January of this year before everything went down. Um, and it was, oh my gosh, incredible. You guys need to get to Israel. Like, that's the holy land where Jesus lived on the earth. And it's just mind-blowing, um, the sights that you get to see where Jesus may have walked right there. Um, but one of the things I'm not so great with is the flying. I am not a great flyer. Um, the turbulence, I'm fine until there's turbulence. And I'm like, what was that? We're going to go down. And almost every trip, Chicago is the worst for turbulence too, by the way. Oh my goodness. I remember one flight where um, there was a storm on both sides of us and the pilot gets on. Never do this if you're a pilot. I don't know if you're a pilot, but the pilot gets on and says, well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, buckle your seatbelts. The last time that we were stuck between two storms, we fell 50 feet. Or was it 500? We fell feet. And I'm like, I heard that and I was like, ah, ah. I, I, I strapped this on really, really tight. I don't know what that would do. And I'm sitting there and I'm freaked out the rest of the time. And so me and God, we now have this conversation. Every time I'm about to board a plane, I got my little passport out, got my suitcase. 
And we have this little, little conversation as I'm walking down the little hallway where everybody stands waiting again. And I say, okay, God, I know this is a deeper issue than me just being afraid of a little bumps. Uh, I'm afraid of what might happen because I'm not in control of the plane. I don't know how the turbulence works. I don't, I'm not in the pilot seat getting to control everything and making sure that we're safe. God, I, I give you control on this flight. And Lord, I trust you. Because when we're trying to control something, there's a deeper rooted issue there, right? There's a deeper reason. Sometimes we try to control just because we care so much. It's like, well, I care so much about this. I, I, I want to take it. But when we give it back to God, when we surrender, it turns out way better, way better than we could have ever imagined. So by nature, we're control freaks. We like to call the shots, and we tend to want to go our own way. But the call to Jesus is a call to surrender. When we choose God, we really do say, God, I surrender all. Even if it's not completely true in this today, I'm going to try my hardest. But this is the thing. God, I, I surrender control to you. So surrender or control is about will and way. So are we going to pursue God's will or choose my will? So the desire, um, right? The choice. Am I going to choose God's way or I'm, am I going to go my way? Now over the past year, we've had the privilege of not being in control, right? Would you say that? We, we have not been in control of this year. Sometimes we would have liked to have been. Sometimes we're like, oh, I'm glad I didn't have to make that decision. It can be good and bad to us sometimes. So are we going to go with God's way? Are we going to go with ours? Are you going to follow God's, yeah, God's path? Sometimes we try to go our own way. Like we all have our stories of when we were younger. Sometimes when we're older, we make the same patterns, same mistakes. But when we're younger, we have those little stories like, oh man, my wild days. My wild days were um, freshman to junior year of high school. You're welcome, mom. Sorry. <laughs> um, but are we going to choose God's way? So today we're going to look. We're finally getting to the Bible. I promise there's going to be a Bible story. And it's Jonah. So go ahead and um, flip to Jonah. And I want to ask you, is it in the Old Testament or the New Testament? It's in the Old Testament. Yes, and Jonah was a prophet. Um, so I'm going to read to you, if you want to follow along with me, uh, we're going to read it together, and I'm going to break out my Kidman voice. So we're going to do story time. We're going to read those first 10 verses together, and we'll kind of do it in a fun way. When you're, when you're reading the Bible sometimes, I know this doesn't happen for you because you're more holy than I am. But when I read the Bible sometimes, I'm like, this is so hard to get through. So when I'm seriously reading the Bible by myself, I will start reading the Bible in a fun voice. So just a little tidbit. If you're falling asleep sometimes at night and you want to get your Bible reading in, read it in a crazy voice. Mickey Mouse voice, your Batman voice, whatever you got going on. All right, so chapter one of Jonah, just, just four chapters. Um, if you want to go home afterwards today and be productive, those productive people, check mark, um, and say you read a whole book in the Bible, read Jonah, four chapters, whole book today. So Jonah runs from the Lord. And I'm going to read from the NLT, the New Living Translation. That's what we use in kids. It's 
it's really approachable, breaks it down. So here we go. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against its people because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. So guys, he said he was a prophet. He's known for um, getting God's word and doing those things and then telling the people all about it. He said, mm, I'm gonna pass on this one. And he ran away. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. But the, Lord, but the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Let's pause. So we're going to start on verse 5. So I don't know if you've ever been on a boat, um, but a storm that was threatening to tear the ship apart. That's terrifying to start thinking about. I've been on several boats. I'm once on a cruise ship, and there was a storm, and we were going pretty all over. But I can't imagine a storm as violent that it would tear your ship apart. So verse 5, fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. They were trying everything. Their cargo would help them for their future. They didn't care about their future. They cared about right now, in this instant, we need to survive. So they were trying everything on their own and their own power to make this happen. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? He said. He's freaking out. He shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Let's try everything. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and, and cursed and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. It was you, is what I imagine. Why has this awful storm come down, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? They were playing 500 questions. Who are you and what did you do? Jonah answered, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. And the sailors as if they weren't scared before, were terrified when they heard this. For he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. I'm going to leave you right there. Why did he do it? When we make these choices, it's not just choices on a whim. There's a reason. Sometimes we don't think about those reasons, but there's a reason deep down inside. And I think... What we should do, what God wants us to do, is think about what is your why? Why did you make that choice? Or are making our choices over the days? So I think we struggle with this thing called the Jonah syndrome. It's this syndrome, so this, cur this um, repeating of emotions or actions that is a pattern. And Jonah was trying to control the situation. So the first question I have is, what, what I want 
Is it more important than what God directs? So what I want is more important than what God directs, is what Jonah was saying when he ran away. We're taking a look at what does it mean when I choose the choice that I made. What he was saying with his choice is what is more important, it's more important for me to go this way than what God, you've told me what to do. We, we pray sometimes, God, please tell me what to do. Please tell me what to do. And then he answers and we're like, magic eight ball. Let's try that again. God, please tell me what to do. Please tell me what to do. And he tells us again, this is what I want you to do, right? But with our decision, we say, nah, I don't want to go that direction. We might not get on a boat and run away from God, but we do in our hearts. Another thing we do sometimes with our choices, what our choices, what our actions speak louder than our words, what they say is my perspective, God, is more important than your directive. Jonah 1, 3, he got up and went in the opposite direction. Now, I, I don't know if you've taken some Bible uh, Bible studies. One Bible study that I've taken recently was Priscilla Shire's Jonah, Navigating a Life Interrupted. Anybody ever hear, hear Priscilla Shire? She's pretty awesome. So one of the things that she talks about um, in the Bible study that I love is for Jonah's perspective, here's, here's what we need to know about the Ninevites. They were some mean and nasty people. They had done terrible things to the Israelites. And what we can speculate, what we don't know for sure, but what we can speculate is that Jonah knew some of his relatives had been hurt, maybe possibly killed, captured by the Ninevites. And so he was holding this grudge. Because in, verse, in chapter 4 of Jonah, we see the real reason of why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. And it wasn't because he was scared, which you would think, like, okay, there's these, these big, scary people. They're tall. They're mean. They're going to kill me. That's terrifying. It wasn't because he was afraid. But in chapter 4, he reveals his heart. He reveals the why he made the choice. And it was this. It was that he didn't want God to show his mercy. He knew God. And even though God had picked him to deliver the message that says, hey, Turn from your wicked ways because in 40 days I'm going to destroy Nineveh. But what happened is God showed mercy because the people of Nineveh, they repented. Everybody wore sackcloth. They repented of their ways. And God says, all right, I'm not going to destroy it. And Jonah reveals the ugly truth. God, this is why I didn't want to go to Nineveh in the first place. He had unforgiveness. So back to perspective. Jonah's perspective, these people were not worthy. They weren't significant. So this is from Priscilla Shire. She says in her equation, little equation, it says insignificant person plus an insignificant task equals interruption. I'll say that again because I really like it. Insignificant person plus an insignificant task equals an interruption. If we don't think that the people that God has called us to are worthy of our time, worthy of our forgiveness, we're not going to want to go to them. Sometimes the holidays can be a little stressful because of the people that are there. You're like, these are family members. Yes, I love them. But man, do they drive me crazy. Or a family member we haven't talked to in months or years. 
And then an insignificant task. Jonah already knows that God's going to forgive them. And he's like, God, they don't deserve your mercy. They don't deserve to be saved. They're horrible. And sometimes we place that on people in our lives. And so with that, this God opportunity where God would use Jonah to deliver um, deliverance, really salvation to these people, it becomes an interruption. And how many times do we think about that during a day? God says, I have this opportunity for you and it's super awesome. You get to go show love. You get to go show mercy. You get to go show peace. And yet we don't want to do it because it's, that's an interruption of our lives. But if we switch our perspective to think a significant person plus a significant task equals divine intervention. Do you see how that totally switches the whole thing? Significant person, significant task, divine intervention. Jonah could have looked at this. The, the people of Nineveh are significant. God, you have made them. They're wonderful in your image. You've created them and they are good. God, I get to be a part of this awesome opportunity, this, this divine task that you've given me and I get to be a part of it. This is so cool. And then it becomes a divine intervention. Um, intervention. I like to call them divine appointments. How amazing would that have been if Jonah would have been, God, let me just think about that. Let me switch that. So it all comes down to our perspective. Are we saying our perspective is more important than God's directive? And then my agenda is primary and God's agenda is secondary. We see that in Jonah 1, 3, and 10 when he was, when the sailor said, why did you do it? Why did you do it? Because Jonah had a different plan. He's like, God, I don't like yours. I'm going to run away. (laughs) Like a little toddler when you're helping a toddler. Have you ever tried to help a toddler? Oh my goodness. They say, I do it myself. Or they just scream at you. (laughs) And sometimes we do that. We're not going to say, um, yeah, we're not gonna, I'm not gonna look at Lisa and say, yeah, my way's better than God's. No one in this room is gonna say that today. But do we show it in our actions? Do we show it as we hold on to the control and say, this is mine, I got this? So God's way or your way? The call to follow Jesus is more than a call to salvation. It is a call to surrender. Mark 8, 34 and 35, they say, so Mark 8, 34 and 35. If you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and the sake of all the good news, you will save it. Here's the good news about surrendering. God's got a better plan. Sometimes we don't always see it. We don't always feel it. And that's the hardest thing when we don't feel it. The call to follow Jesus is to find life through death to self. And it's hard because we care so passionately about these things. We're not trying to hold on to them because we we really think it's the best way. But we care so much. But if we care so much, the best thing to do is sit there with open hands and say, all right, God, I'm going to die to myself. I'm going to die to thinking that I can save my family. I can save this situation or this situation. 
but God, I, I can give it to you. The call to follow Jesus is death to self as we serve others. So if we don't trust God's promises, by, by holding on to things, we, we don't trust God's promises, right? We show that, even though we're not going to say it. So in Luke 6, 46, it says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Jonah was a prophet. He, he talked to God. He heard from the Lord. And then he would go and tell people. He knew what to do. He knew all the right, right things to say. He knew all the right actions. But he said, God, I am going to do this other thing. I'm going to go my own way because I don't like your plan. So to call Jesus Lord, this is what this means. It's a big deal. It means we say yes to his will. When we sing the songs, when we, when we pray in the morning, pray in the night, when we say Lord, we say yes to his will, to his word, and his ways. We can't call him Lord and then proceed to run our own lives. That's not how this works. If we, if we continually say, God, you can have some of, uh, I want it back now. That's, that's not how this works. We have to sit here with open hands and say, God, I trust you. Even though it is hard to walk that out. It is really hard to walk that out. But here's the challenge with surrender is that it seems like we lose, right? If we, if we give up surrender, like the little white flags in the movies, they surrender, they surrender. It seems like we lose. Like I'm not, I'm not admitting defeat. I will not do that. This pride tries to rear its ugly head. But we really win. As we choose surrender, we give up all that we are to open our lives to all that God has. And I learned that at a young age. So I was saved at nine. And one of the postures, I would watch people around the church. Um, and one of the things I saw people do was this and this. And I fell in love with those two stances. Because this, I was taught, it's like giving God a great big hug. I'm a hugger. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm good with that. And this right here is like, God, I'm choosing to let go. It changes every day, every week, right? Every month what we're struggling with, what we're holding on with. But today I would challenge you, whatever it may be, is to sit there with open hands because there's such a beautiful thing about surrender. It says, God, man, I messed up. I tried to hold on to these things because I was so passionate, because I cared so much. But Lord, I know that you care more, right? So with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, I have two challenges for you. The first um, is for our friends in the room that have not, maybe you haven't made the decision to surrender to Jesus, to surrender to God. Like, why would I do that? That seems so crazy. I would challenge you today to make that decision, to say, God, I surrender to you. I want you to be the Lord of my life. And what that means for you is that there is a place prepared for you, heaven. But also, there's more for you in this life. There's a fullness that you've never known. There's a joy, there's a love, there's a hope, there's peace. 
So if you haven't made that decision today, I'm going to give you the opportunity. If you want to just lock eyes with me, raise your hands so I can see you. And then the second challenge is this. For us in the room who have tried to take control and we just get so worked up anytime there's a change in plans, anytime there's a wrench thrown at it, it just ruins our whole day. It makes us sick to our stomach. It causes us physical pain because we just want to control it so much. Friends, look, I challenge you today if that's you in the room. So maybe not right now, but sometime over this week, sometime today, get in your prayer closet, get on your knees, open your hands, physically open your hands in the posture of surrender. Let's say, God, I surrender to you. So Lord, we're so thankful for who you are. God, that you've chose us you love us. You've called us good. And Lord, as we try to navigate life and, and navigate this crazy year, God, we admit that we have tried to control things that are beyond our control. We admit that we have tried to take place of you. We've tried to be independent. But Lord, we don't want that anymore. God, we wanted to be dependent on you. Dependent on your will, on your word, and your way. Lord, help us today with our families. Help us today with our plans. May they align with those three things. Your will, your word, and your way. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you are sovereign. You are in control of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And God, we thank you that we don't have to worry. We thank you that we can lay that all at your feet. So Lord, help us this week to choose surrender over control. In your precious son's name, Jesus. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.